Good morning, and welcome to worship. If you happen to be joining for the first time today, I'm Pastor Ann, and I am honored and blessed to serve this. congregation alongside Pastor Andy, who is on vacation this week, but we'll be back next week. We're glad you're here, and we want you to know that we're always, you're always welcome to be a part of what's going on here at this outpost of God, here at this community of faith at the Way Woodstock, where we are committed to sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. Now, we're in the next to the last message from our summer sermon series. And we're going to be, where we've been looking at the words of Jesus and the messages that he gave to the disciples and to those who were considering following him. And we've seen in the previous messages from this series that Jesus never misleads anybody who comes to hear him. He challenges his would-be followers to look deeply within themselves. Jesus is pointing his early disciples and us to a different way of living in this world. A way to be in the world, but not of the world. Now we might remember the words of the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome in the, the book of Romans, the 12th chapter, the second verse, where he says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, the title of today's message is, did Jesus really say, follow me and everything will be easy? Let's look to the word of God and see and hear the words of Jesus. Please join me as we turn to the Gospel of John, the 16th chapter, verses 16 to 33. Now hear the word of God. Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father? They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. Now, Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Why are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, 
and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you, excuse me, whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you've not asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. And that day you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm going to leave the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to ask, have someone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you are from God. Do you now believe, Jesus replied? A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Dear most gracious God, we, we thank you, Lord, that we can come and we can hear your word. And Lord, we just ask that you shine your light upon your word, that we may truly understand that our hearts and our minds may be transformed into the likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. So, did Jesus really say that if we follow him, everything is going to be easy? No, no. In fact, he shared with the disciples quite the opposite of that. In this world, you will have trouble. We can count on that. We will have trouble in this world. But let's not get ahead of ourselves here, because Jesus has just shared something very important with us, that if we just kept moving on, we might not recognize what he's just shared with us. He shared something with the disciples about how they are to proceed once he is no longer with them physically. So let's look a little more carefully at his words. Jesus begins this section of scripture with those phrases, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. What is he talking about here? We might think that Jesus is possibly referring to his death and burial. You won't see him anymore. And then we, that he, you will see him when he is raised from the dead. We might be thinking he's talking about his death and burial and his resurrection. 
Or maybe Jesus is talking about those 40 days in between his resurrection and his ascension when he would just appear and disappear in front of the very eyes of his disciples. Yet when the words that we look at those words very closely in the original language, two different words are used for the word see. The first time when Jesus says that they will see him no more, the word used meant that Jesus would pass from their sight. They would no longer be able to see him face to face. But when Jesus comes back and says, but in a little while you will see me, a different word is used, oreo, which means to comprehend. Now the disciples had been walking and watching Jesus for over three years, three and a half years. They'd been watching Jesus. But often they didn't understand when Jesus would teach them. They didn't understand what he meant. But with the resurrection came the beginning of new vision regarding Jesus and his purpose in the world. And then with Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit, this vision was even expanded more. Just as our vision is expanded when we learn to listen and discern the Spirit speaking to us. But for now, verse 18 tells us that they didn't understand or comprehend because they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? So Jesus continues. Jesus understands his disciples very well, just like he understands us very well. He knows that they have failed to understand his words. And they've especially understood what he's meant when he told them that he was going to be going, he was going to be going to Jerusalem and going to be um, put to death. He understands also that once this happens, that they're going to go through a period of time when they question and when they struggle with what has just happened. He knows that we too will have times when we question and we struggle. And we don't understand. So he addresses this with these words. Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. Jesus acknowledges not only the sorrow that his disciples would experience, but he also acknowledges that the world hates God and his son. But then comes that proclamation and the lesson. He says, you will grieve, but your grief will be turned to joy. That's a proclamation. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. And then the story, he reverts back to the parables to tell a story about what he means here. A woman giving birth to a child has pain. Because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again and you will rejoice. And no one will take your joy away. We too may have times when we need to grieve losses 
in our life. But Jesus assures us that after a time, if we turn back to him, he will turn our joy, our mourning into joy. But then Jesus also, he doesn't stop with just that assurance. He continues with a little word. Anybody know what that little word is? Ask. He says, in that day you will no longer ask me anything. Right now they're asking Jesus. Now our English word ask can be used in two different ways. It can mean that we make a request, we ask for something, or it can mean that we're asking a question. The word used here is rateo, meaning asking questions. The disciples were full of questions when they failed to understand the words of Jesus. Just like we are sometimes when we read scripture and we don't understand. Jesus is preparing them for the future, though, with these words. When he is no longer physically present with them to answer their questions. Just a little bit earlier in the book of John in this chapter... Jesus had shared with the disciples that it was good that he was going away so that the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, could come to them. These were his words in John sixteen thirteen to 15. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears, and he will tell you What is yet to come? He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Jesus still guides his followers, us, through the power of his Holy Spirit, who lives within all believers. Jesus continues with the other definition of ask to make a request. He says, very truly I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive, and your joy will be made complete. Now, a lot of times we look at that scripture and you go, well, wait a minute now. I've prayed for such stuff that I've not gotten. Right? Everybody there with me? Yeah, we pray for things that we want. And God hears our prayers. He does. He knows our hearts. And that's what he wants. He wants to know our hearts. But sometimes prayers are not answered in the way we would like them to be answered. But the beauty here is that we can ask God directly. We no longer have to have a mediator. Jesus is telling us we can go straight to the Father, pour out our heart. If you ever read Psalms, a lot of the Psalms are about people pouring out their heart before God. God loves us. He loves you. He loves me. We can make our petitions directly to God The Father, in the name of Jesus, when we're aligned with the character of Christ, who submitted his will to the will of the Father. 
Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was really struggling with what lay ahead, and he prayed, Lord, let this pass. Let this cup pass from me if it's, if it's possible. But he ends that prayer with what words? Not my will, but your will be done. So when we submit our will to God's, we can be assured that God moves in ways even when we don't understand them. I think of the words to one of those songs, he will work all things together for our good, even when it doesn't seem like it's possible. He does. And as we enter into this faith-filled relationship of trust with our Heavenly Father, our joy is complete. Now, Jesus speaks directly and plainly to his disciples regarding the love of God the Father. And he ends with these words, I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. Now, the disciples think that they can understand him now because he's spoken to them plainly. And so they proclaim their belief to him. Now we see that you know all things and that you don't even have to have people ask questions of you. This makes us believe that you came from God. Yet Jesus knows that on their own, without the Holy Spirit, they will respond to trouble, sometimes like we do, as the world does, from a place of fear. So Jesus confronts their overconfidence. They say, now we believe. And he says this to them. Do you now believe? A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will all be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. A time of crisis is coming. Judas is on his way. And each disciple will think only of his own personal safety when this happens, running to their own homes. Then Jesus reassures them and himself, even though they will desert him, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Jesus is letting them know and he's letting us know today that things will happen in this lifetime that we don't understand, things that test our faith. We don't understand it. We may sometimes fail. The disciples failed him that night. They all ran away when he was arrested. But they also came back. We may fail sometimes. The important thing is to come back to Jesus. We, too, can have peace through his word. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Jesus is telling them ahead of time. This is before they've run away. He's telling them ahead of time so that they can return to him and find peace. There are two little words in that statement. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Two little words that are very, very important for us to remember. 
in me. In me, you may have peace. Not long ago, many of you know that my sister was seriously ill and in the hospital in intensive care. And I have to tell you, my soul was troubled. I mean, yeah, I believe in God. I know God works miracles, but my soul was troubled, and I was very fearful. Had two people pray for me. One person laid hands on me and prayed, and that helped. But then I had a person write a prayer for me, and they sent it to me. And when I read that prayer, it was like the Spirit of God descended upon me, and the fear was gone. And the and the the thought that came to my mind was, okay, and I love my sister dearly. We're very close. But the thought that came to me was, she may beat me to see Jesus. And if she does, it's okay. If she does, it's okay. And I'll tell you, I never, I didn't feel that unsettledness again the whole time that she was seriously ill in intensive care. She was there for three weeks because God's peace had descended upon my heart. And I knew that whatever happened, he would be with me. He would provide what I needed, strength, comfort, whatever. And um, she would be okay. Whether she lived or whether she died, she would see him. She would beat me. And she'd laugh at that, too. She'd say, ha-ha, beat ya. <laughs> but it was, it was that beautiful thing of his peace descending with that second prayer. Now, as believers, each of us, are in Christ, and we're also in the world, right? We live in the world, but we are in Christ if we have accepted him, and he is in us. We can expect trouble and tribulation in the world. You know, sometimes as Christians, we think, oh, it should be easy. You know, we got God on our side. It should be easy. But life doesn't work that way because we live in the world, and the world is broken, But with his return to the Father, we are no longer alone. We're no longer on our own. When we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts. Now, we may not feel that at the time, but he's there. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can be at peace in the midst of a trouble-filled world. Jesus then goes on to show us how he handled the trouble he was facing. Remember, his trouble was the cross. And in chapter 17 of the Gospel of John, he tells, he shows us what he did. But you're going to have to go home and read that on your own because I'm not going to tell you. I'll give you a hint, though. It was prayer. We must always remember that God's ways are very different from the ways of this world. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And by his spirit, we too can overcome the ways of the world and have peace in the midst of trouble any trouble that comes our way. I just recently finished reading a book by Andrew Murray entitled Experiencing the Holy Spirit. And I think it's fitting to share a quote from it. When experiencing questions or 
tribulation, Murray states, Hold fast this one principle. God has given us a promise that he will fill us with his spirit. It is his work to make his promise an accomplished fact. Thank God for the promise, even as you would thank him for the fulfillment of it. In the promise, God has already pledged himself to you. Rejoice in him and in his faithfulness. Marie goes on a little bit more to tell us about how God has given his all for us. And that's what he wants from us. He wants us to give our all to him so that he can live fully within us and through us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Most Gracious God, we thank you, Lord, that you have given us the greatest gift anyone could ever receive, your Holy Spirit, the one who can give us and supply for us whatever we need, whatever we're facing, peace, mercy, strength, courage. And Lord, through the Holy Spirit, We can become the people you've created us to be. As you live in our hearts and as we turn over our will to you, you can shine ever brightly in this world. So, Lord, we give it to you today. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen.